Good morning and welcome to worship. I invite you to stand if you'd like to and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I'm thankful um, for stories like this where we get to hear how you're using uh, the funds that we're able to give and and God, how you're extending the ministry that we do here. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. And God, I pray that you would continue to be with us, continue to bless um, the funds that we give. Um, God bless uh, the time, the effort of the people that manage these funds. Bless those that take your word and um, and share it with others. God, help us to be missionaries where we're at. And God, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would enjoy our worship to you. And God, that uh, you will open your word to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore, you have done great things. And I know you will do it again For your promises, yes and amen You will do great things God, you do great things Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave You free every captive and break every chain, oh God you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. And hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah. 
unshakable hallelujah you have done great things hallelujah God above it all hallelujah God unshakable hallelujah you have done great things you've done great things oh hero of heaven you conquered the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things you have done great things oh god you do great reading today is Matthew 6, 27 through 34. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail My God will never fail And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm going to see a victory, I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. Because I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. What the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good Turn it for good, and I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for You are 
So do what only you can do. Move what only you can do. Even the impossible is possible for you. You can make the chains come loose. You can tell the mountains move. Even the impossible is possible for you. Even the impossible is possible for you. You said it, I see it. You still do miracles. There's power in Jesus' name. All darkness defeated. There's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you. You said it. I see it. You still do miracles. There's power in Jesus' name. All darkness defeated. There's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you. So do what only you can do. Do what only you can move. Even the impossible is possible for you. You can make the chains come loose. You can tell the mountains move. Even the impossible is possible for you. Even the impossible is possible for you. You said it, I see it. You still do miracles. There's power in Jesus' name. All darkness defeated. There's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you. You said it, I see it. You still do miracles. There's power in Jesus' name. All darkness defeated. There's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you. Amen, God. Thank you for for fighting for us. God, thank you for carrying out your plan. No matter what comes at us, no matter what's happening in the world, God, you're at work. And we're thankful for what you're doing. God, I pray right now that you would just speak to us through your word, draw us close to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at three different passages in John's Gospel. And if you, we'll have the scriptures on the screen, but if you'd like to follow along, you'll want to begin with me in John chapter 11. We'll be in John chapter 11, 14, and chapter 20 this morning. Uh, let's pray before we open up God's Word. Father, uh, thank you for being our awesome God. We love you. We pray that you'd speak to us through the reading and preaching of your, your words. Uh, speak through me, Lord. Encourage us, challenge us, change our lives, Lord, that we may follow you and glorify you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people agreed. 
Yeah, amen. Hey, thanks so much for, for praying with me. Uh, this morning, uh, we want to talk about dealing with um, you know, our spiritual doubts, our spiritual questions, times where we, you know, we wrestle with God when we don't understand Him. Um, Alan has been our son's best friend for more than 15 years. Uh, they're both 30-year-olds. At, at 14, our, our son Josh started bringing Alan to church with us. He'd, he'd go to youth group, to Bible study, to worship with us. And Alan started to find wonderful friends in our church. And you could really see God working in his life. And so one day after worship, we invited him over for, uh, you know, family dinner on Sunday, and our son and I, after dinner, we, we led Alan to faith in Christ. He confessed his sins. He placed his faith in Jesus as Lord, and uh, this was their, their, their sophomore year of high school, and we could, we could really see him growing in the Lord and excited about worshiping God in, in church, and it's just, you know, wonderful to watch that. And, and then Alan went to a, a state university in Georgia, and he had an atheist professor that made it his goal to dis- destroy people's faith like Alan by causing them to doubt the truthfulness of Scripture and the, the truthfulness of Jesus. And, and we find that, uh, you know, we've got many atheist professors in state colleges that use what I'd call pseudoscience to destroy the faith of fragile freshmen. And unfortunately, there are, you know, some Christian college students just aren't ready to to defend their faith and know how to, to handle attacks on their faith. And, and if we're gut level honest, we, all of us have times in which we, we struggle with our faith. We, we struggle with doubt. We struggle with how God's working. You know, we just have times where we really wrestle with God. And, and this morning, we want to look at these times of doubt. And we may doubt God for several reasons. We might be like uh, our son's best friend. We might have an, a, you know, an atheist professor, an atheist friend that tells us that, you know, the Bible's a myth. God doesn't exist, and we're the product of, of evolution. And we might not take that professor or that friend's advice for any other area of our life, but we take our, their advice at, at this place, and we allow them really to damage our faith, if not destroy it. Or, or we might watch a, a TV program that, that sets up science, or what I'd call pseudoscience against God, and then we might wonder at, after watching that TV program, is God real? Or, or we can experience you know, painful suffering in our life that, that doesn't make any sense. And while we're going through that painful suffering, we, we really wrestle with God and begin to have spiritual doubts. Or we see a, a spiritual leader that we really respect, and they make some terrible choices in their life, and that, cause, that really shakes up our faith. Or we've been there where we, we prayed and prayed and prayed for God to answer a prayer, and then the opposite happens, and our faith in God gets shaken. Or we see a, a horrific disaster happen to, to good, undeserving people, and we wonder, you know, what's God doing in the midst of this mess? Or, or we have a have this difficult time in our life where we're, we make this difficult choice to do the right thing, and, and we know God wants us to do that right thing, and then we end up suffering for doing the right thing, and then that makes us question God. Or, or we might have a, a Christian in our life that's, that's really challenging, that, that really hurts us, and we, we begin to doubt God, or, or we doubt the importance of God's church. And I believe all of us want to believe. That's why we're here this morning. We want to believe. We want to love God. We want to follow God. But sometimes God's difficult to figure out. And, and sometimes, you know, God's ways are simply not our ways. And we wrestle with God through times like that. 
And so this morning, we want to look at, you know, three passages of Scripture that focus on one of Jesus' disciples, and, and the disciple is Thomas. And when we look at Thomas, we see that Thomas really struggles with his faith in God at times. He even has this this nickname for the past 2,000 years, Doubting Thomas. Uh, And as we look at the scriptures today, we have have four accounts of Jesus' life. And and today we look at John. And John's the the gospel writer of, of, of the passages we look at today. John's one of the closest friends of Jesus. He's a disciple of Jesus. He's part of Jesus's inner circle. So he's an eyewitness to all of these events that, that he writes about. And he, of the four accounts of Jesus's life, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's only John that, that tells us about Thomas in his spiritual struggles, his struggle with doubt. And so this morning, as we, we look at Thomas and his struggles with doubt, we're, we're going to look at three passages this morning. And as we look at the passages, we, we want to say at the same time, and look at how do these passages apply to our life? What do, we, what do we do when we're wrestling with God? What do we do when we're struggling spiritually? What do we do when we're having real spiritual doubts? And, and I believe God will speak to us through these passages and help us when we, when we go through some challenging times in our faith. So the first time we meet Thomas is in John chapter 11, and we've, we've got just a few verses to look at in John chapter 11. So if you'll, if you'll look with me, we're going to be in verses 6 to 8, and then we'll go down into verse uh, 16. So John chapter 11, verse 6 says, Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Uh, then he said to the disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, the disciple said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there, and yet you're going back there? Uh, Then moving down to 16, then Thomas, uh, called Didymus, or called the twin, uh, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with Jesus. In this passage, Jesus is towards the end of his ministry, and although Jesus has had these, these awesome times in his ministry, he, he's at, at a time where he's been at the height of his ministry, and he's got this great opposition to his ministry. And, and, and the opposition primarily comes from the, the status quo religious leadership in his day. Jesus seems to break their rules. He challenges the status quo. He challenges the leaders publicly, and they don't like it. They develop such a hatred for Jesus uh, that... They, they want him silenced, and ultimately they, they want him dead. And the, the, the leaders are in Jerusalem, which is in the area of Judea. And so the, Jesus decides he's going to go to Judea, even though there are, there's leadership that have authority that could put him to death there. And he, he wants to go there because his friend Lazarus is deathly sick. He's on his deathbed. And the disciples are shocked when Jesus says, let us go up to Judea to see Lazarus. Uh, They said, you're crazy if you want to go there. Don't you know they want to kill you there? And they know that going near Jerusalem could cost Jesus his life. They know that going to Jerusalem and and that area could cost their lives too. So they're trying to talk Jesus out of it. And then Thomas, he speaks up and he's got this enormous courage before God and the disciples. He says, you know, let's go with Jesus. We'll die with Jesus if we have to. And Thomas isn't speaking flippantly here. He knows that, that the religious leadership will want to put Jesus to death. Um, he knows it might cost him his life too. And so Thomas loves Jesus so much. Thomas is committed to our Lord so much that he says, I'm willing to stand by Jesus even if it costs me my life. 
And so he says to, to the disciples, let's go with Jesus. Let's, let's stand with Jesus. And we know from Christian history, about 40 years later, Thomas is put to death for his faith in Christ. A soldier uh, pins him to a wall with a spear and kills him. But that, that's 40 years after this. And during those 40 years, Thomas has all this time to, to serve our Lord. History knows Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Uh, but Thomas is this man with tremendous courage spiritually. He's, he's got great commitment to Jesus. And we see the, the person we know as Doubting Thomas is actually a man of great faith. And Thomas is one that in his walk with God and in his relationship with, with other followers of Jesus, uh, he's one that he'll ask the hard questions at times. He'll, he'll, he'll doubt at times and be willing to, to voice his doubts out loud to the Lord and, and to his friends. And, but when it really counts, despite his questions and his struggle with doubt, Thomas has this great commitment to Jesus. And Thomas gives you and me hope if we struggle in our faith sometimes. Thomas gives us hope if we doubt sometimes, because we can be like him. We can have this incredible commitment to God, but still have struggles with doubt sometimes. We, we can have a courageous faith and be willing to stand with Jesus no matter what, but still struggle with doubt when we have a great amount of stress in our lives. You know, we can obey God no matter what, follow Jesus no matter what, but, but still have spiritual struggles sometimes. You know, Thomas, like, like many of the disciples, he, he speaks better than he knows at this time when he says, I'm willing to die for Jesus. Uh, there is a there's another passage, you know, late in Jesus's ministry in, in Luke chapter 9, 23, where Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, and that's for us too, whoever wants to be a Christian, whoever wants to be a follower of Christ, Jesus says, you, you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross daily, you must follow me. And so Jesus says, if, you, if you're really serious about following me, after you've confessed your sins and, and committed your life to me to make, you, make me the Lord of your life, you know, three things you have to do every single day. You know, every day you need to follow me. Uh, you know, put me first every day. Jesus says, every day you need to deny yourself, and every day you need to take up your cross. And, and when Jesus said, take up your cross, that was a huge deal then. You know, we, we don't see the cross in the same way they did. You know, we, we, you know, we wear crosses as jewelry today, you know, as necklaces, as earrings. We, we, we have crosses in our homes uh, to honor Jesus. We have crosses in our churches to honor Jesus. And, and all that's wonderful. But, but in that day, you wouldn't do it because uh, the, the, the cross and crucifixion was like a curse word in that day. It would be like us, you know, wearing, a, you know, a T-shirt with... Um, like a, a, an electrocution uh, chair or a gas chamber. You know, we, we wouldn't do that. It, it's, too, you know, it's too wildly offensive. But you know, the, the cross was wildly offensive in that day. And so when Jesus said, you know, take up your cross, it was a reminder that the cross is always an instrument of death. So when Jesus said, take up your cross daily, he, he's telling us, you know, every day to put me first You've got to put your plans to death. You've got to put your agendas to death. You've got to put your, your desires to death. You've got to put me first. And everything else kind of follows along after that. And so that, that, that's a radical statement. And if we claim to follow Jesus, we're willing to do that. Take up our cross daily. Die ourselves daily. Follow Jesus daily. The next time we meet uh, Thomas... We meet him in John chapter 14. So if you'd like to go to John 14 with me, um, 
And in John 14, uh, we see the, the, the setting here is the Last Supper. This is, you know, Monday, Thursday, the, the night before Jesus dies, and he's having the, the Last Supper with his disciples. It's a, it's a Passover meal, which he transforms into what we celebrate today as the Lord's Supper. And so, you know, hear these words with me from John 14. This is one of the, really the great passages in John's gospel, one of the great passages about following Jesus. Uh, verse 1 of John 14, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are, are many rooms. I love the old King James says, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So this is the last night of Jesus's life. And at this time, the disciples don't know it's the last night. And so Jesus says, you know, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And in one day, I'm going to come back and get you to, to, to be with me. And Jesus is speaking up here on the spiritual level. Jesus is, is talking about heaven. The disciples are somewhere down here on just an earthly level. Um, you know, sometimes we have those conversations with one another where we just, you know, kind of talk past each other. We, we, we don't really hear one another. This is what's happening here. Jesus is talking at a different level than the disciples are thinking. Uh, they're, they think Jesus is talking about going to an unfamiliar place, and they're not sure of the directions of how to get there. Where, where Jesus is actually talking about, you know, going to heaven. He's not talking about taking a trip to, a, to an unfamiliar place. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He said, tomorrow I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. A few days later, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. You know, 40 days later, I'm going to, be, I'm going to ascend to heaven. And in heaven, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when, when your place is complete, I'm going to come back and, and take you to be with me in heaven for all eternity. You ever in a crowd, or you know, maybe it's a Sunday school class, a church service, or just in a crowd, you, you're being taught something and you just don't get it? Or, or you don't understand a certain point, and usually we're kind of hesitant to, to raise our hand or, or speak up in that time, uh, but, but not Thomas. You know, Thomas is the only one of the 12 disciples to, to speak up and say, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We, we don't get what you're saying. Explain it to us. And it's not Thomas's nature to, to sit quietly when he doesn't understand, especially when he doesn't understand Jesus's teachings. And so Thomas's question gives Jesus this opportunity to, to give us one of the most important teachings of the Bible on Jesus being the, the only way to God. So, you know, hear John 14, 6 again. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. You know, it's God the Father except through me. And so Jesus is telling us here, I'm the only way to God. I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the only way to eternal life. And that, that's, that's an essential truth about the gospel. That's an essential teaching of Jesus. And, and you know, today we're, we live in a culture where that's one of the hardest things for Christians to proclaim. You know, our, you know, our culture has this gospel of tolerance, which says, you know, you know, all truth is basically the same. All religion is basically the same. It doesn't matter which one you choose. You're, you're all going to the same place. And even if you don't choose a religion, you're all going to the same place. So don't, 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 don't judge anyone else. Don't speak up for the truth. Don't make exclusive claims about the Bible or Christianity or, or about the Lord we follow. You know, that, that's what our culture tells us, where, where Jesus is saying, you know, I'm the one and only way. 
You know, you miss Jesus, you miss God. You miss Jesus, you miss heaven. You know, we only build our lives on Jesus. And so Jesus gives us one of these, one of his most famous teachings, one of his most important teachings, because Thomas is, is willing to, to ask the hard question. And so I'd encourage you, you know, be willing to ask the hard spiritual questions. Be, be willing to ask the hard questions about God, the hard questions about Christianity, the hard questions about the, the Bible. You know, the Bible can hold up under it. Um, and, and it's good when we ask hard questions because we learn something and, and, and somebody else who is dying to ask that same question will learn something too. Um, I have, um, you know, bookshelves full of books, you know, you know, I've been a pastor for 30 years, so I've got lots of books I love to study, and I have one, one shelf about this long uh, of books, and they're written by former skeptics, former agnostics, and former atheists who, who went on a journey either to find God, and they ended up finding Him, or they went on a journey, more of them, to try to disprove God, to disprove Jesus Christ, and disprove the Bible. And when they looked all at all the evidence, uh, they, they ended up finding that the evidence for Christianity, the Bible, and Jesus to be so compelling <laughs> that they've committed their life to Jesus, they follow Jesus, and they've, they've written books so they make it their life's goal to help other people who are struggling with faith to come to faith in Jesus. And like Thomas, you know, we can ask hard questions about God. God can handle it. We can ask hard questions about the Bible. The Bible's God's truth. The Bible can stand up under it. So, so don't, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. But can I encourage you, you know, ask your hard questions to the right people in the right places. You know, bring your questions to God in prayer. God will many times give us, you know, peace of mind through prayer. You know, bring your questions to, to your Bible reading. Uh, you know, God will often speak through the scriptures to you. And I, I encourage you to get, you know, get a great study Bible. You know, there's there so many good study Bibles. The, the NIV study Bible, the NIV life, life application Bible are great. The, the ESV has, I believe, the most ex extensive study Bible today. Um, I've just, you know, got a new Bible, the Christian Standard Bible. They have a great study Bible too. There's, there, there's lots of good ones, and those notes will often help explain the scriptures and help us um, when we've got questions and doubts. And I, I'd also encourage you, bring your doubts to church. Um, you, you'll get some of your questions answered through the worship service. You get some of your questions answered through your Sunday school class, your Bible study in small groups. Uh, you know, bring your doubts to church leaders, whether that's one of your lay leaders or, or one of your pastoral staff. Bring your doubts to us. Let us help you, you know, walk through your doubts. Let us, let us point you to some books that can help you. And I'd also challenge you uh, to, to seek God's truth by by reading books by former skeptics that have found the evidence for Jesus to be so compelling that they now follow Christ every day. Christ is the Lord of their lives. And if, if you're interested in reading some of those books, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, to, to point some of those out to you where you can get them on Amazon or, or borrow them from a library. And I'd also encourage you, don't seek God's truth in the wrong places. Your friend who walked away from God um, he or she's the wrong person to go to to seek God's truth from. Your friend who got angry about something that didn't go their way at church, uh, they're, they're the wrong person to talk with about, about truth. Or, or your, your atheist professor who wants to destroy your faith is the, you know, the wrong person to go to about God's truth. 
One of my favorite little passages in the Bible is in Mark chapter 9. It's a real life story. Uh, This father that's on his journey of becoming a follower of Christ, he's not quite there, but he's close. He's got this child who's deathly sick, and he brings his deathly sick child to Jesus and asks Jesus to, to heal the child. He's, he's got his child there because he knows that Jesus is a healer. And when, uh, when Jesus talks to this father, he says, um, you know, your child can be healed if you have enough faith. And I, I love how the dad responds. He said, Jesus... I believe, help my unbelief. And, and I think so many times we've been where that dad is. <laughs> Jesus, we know you're Lord. Uh, we know you can do all things. Uh, we believe in you, but sometimes we struggle with doubt. Sometimes we have some faith. We want to believe. And I think if, I, I believe if we bring that kind of uh, a prayer request to Jesus, Jesus will, will strengthen our faith. He'll, he'll put things in our lives and people in our lives will, who will help strengthen our faith. The last time we meet Thomas is in John chapter 20. So if you'd like to turn with me a few pages into John 20. Um, These are great scripture verses too. So we'll read some of those. But let let me uh, set the backdrop before we start reading in in a moment. Uh, As one of the disciples, you know, Thomas is is an eyewitness to to Jesus' crucifixion. And this, this is... You know, this is Easter weekend. You know, Good Friday or really started with the Last Supper on Thursday. Good Friday, where Jesus is crucified. That, that terrible day of silence. You know, Silent Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. And and Thomas is an eyewitness, so he's he's with Jesus when Jesus is ar- arrested by soldiers, and then dragged into trial, and then sentenced to death. He's with Jesus for part of it. He's he's at a close distance for. For part of it, uh, the next morning he, you know, he knows Jesus is beaten by soldiers. He he's he scourged within an inch from death, and then he's nailed to to a cross. He, you know, Jesus suffers for six hours on the cross. It seems like most of the disciples really hung back, but they knew of everything that was happening. Yeah, they they witnessed everything at a distance. Yeah, you know, John, Jesus's closest friend, is close up. And, and some of the women followers of Jesus are close up. You know, Thomas and others, you know, are, are laying back. But th- he's aware of all of this. And he, he sees Jesus die. He sees Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' lifeless body off, a, off the cross and then place Jesus' dead body in a tomb on, on Good Friday afternoon. And it's really more than Thomas can handle, more than the disciples can handle. And, and think about this, Good Friday evening, after you've seen Jesus crucified, uh, they're crushed. And every doubt imaginable comes into Thomas's mind. Every doubt imaginable comes into the other disciples' minds. And I imagine they're, they must be thinking things like this. Is, is Jesus really God's son? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is he really Lord? How, how could God let his son die on the cross? How could religious people be that evil? Uh, is God really in control? Is Jesus really who he said he was? Did, did we make a mistake in, in following Jesus? And all of this, you know, dark emotion is coming into their hearts. You know, grief, misunderstanding, doubt, hurt, anger, they've got all of that. And Jesus told Thomas and he told the other disciples, 
you know, on, on at least three occasions, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead, but on that Good Friday, <laughs> Easter, Easter weekend, you know, he can't believe it, the disciples can't believe it. And so there's, there, there's three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the disciples are grieving as all of this, this doubt comes flowing into their minds. And then Jesus appears to, to the disciples on Easter Sunday night, and it's the disciples you know, certainly minus Judas, because Judas betrayed Jesus, and then also minus Thomas, because Thomas is somewhere else. And so look with me here at John 20, verses uh, 19 and 20. It says, on the evening of that first day, so that's Easter, uh, when the disciples were to gather with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, unfortunately, Thomas isn't around when Jesus appears to the disciples. You know, maybe he's out praying, maybe he's out grieving alone. Uh, we don't, we really don't know what Thomas is doing, but for some reason, he's disconnected from the other disciples on, on Easter Sunday. So, so pick up with me, John 20, verse 24 and 25 says, now Thomas, uh, called Didymus or called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, you know, we, we have seen the Lord. And then as we go down, um, we, we see, but Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in Jesus's hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in Jesus's side, I will not believe. Uh, you know, you know, Thomas is one to say, you know, I want to believe what you guys are telling me. I want to believe what Jesus said, but I've got to see it with my own eyes. I've got to touch Jesus with my own hands. And so, you know, Thomas is not believing on Easter Sunday morning or Easter Sunday evening. And Thomas just can't bring himself to believe that Jesus is back from the dead. You know, and think about Thomas. You know, he saw all the horrific things of the crucifixion. He saw Jesus's dead body being placed in a tomb on Good Friday. But, but, you know, look back uh, over the months and years he's with Jesus, almost four years. He's seen Jesus stand up in a boat and talk to the winds and the waves in this horrific storm. And the wind stops, the waves smooth out. He sees Jesus on two occasions, you know, pray over a, a small meal and he's able to feed four and 5,000 people with it. He's seen Jesus heal countless people. He's seen Jesus raise at least three people from the dead. Um, but Thomas can't believe stories of Jesus's resurrection. You know, Thomas had seen, you know, the soldiers nail Jesus to the cross. He'd seen them place Jesus in a tomb. And if we think about Thomas and his faith, it, it's not simply a, a, a doubting faith. It's a wounded faith. Has, have you ever been wounded in your faith? You know, I think most of us have been there if we've known the Lord a, a while. And so with his wounded faith, you know, what he's saying I have to touch Jesus's wounds for my spiritual wounds to be healed. That's what Thomas is saying. I've got to see Jesus with my own eyes. I've got to touch his wounds with my, my own fingers. And if you have a wounded faith, Jesus wants to heal your faith today. So, and we see Thomas here. He misses out on seeing the resurrected Jesus on Easter Sunday evening because he separated himself from other believers. And, and friends, 
You know, sometimes if we're hurt or if we're angry, or if we're upset, if we're going through a difficult time in our life, sometimes we, we choose to isolate or choose to separate from un, un, unbelievers. Sometimes, you know, we, we have a misunderstanding or get hurt at church. Sometimes we, we choose to separate ourselves from, un, unbelie- from other believers. And if we, when we separate ourselves from our church, when we separate ourselves from other believers, you know, we miss out on some of God's blessings. You know, Thomas misses out on, on Easter Sunday because he separated himself from other believers. And, you know, God created the church, you know, because we need each other. You know, that's, that's the genius of the church. You know, we, we worship God together. We serve together. We, uh, we study scripture together. But we do it together because we need each other. You know, God's designed us to be in relationship, in community with one another. We're, we're family. And that's, that, it's God's very nature for us to be in relationship with each other. And think about God. He's, he's a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Throughout, throughout all eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always been in relationship with one another. You know, why do we get lonely at times? That's, that's because we're created as relational beings in the image of God. We need to be in relationship with each other. And that's, that's you know, why the the church family is so important. That's why Bible studies are so important and worship is so important and serving together is so important and just hanging out and doing life together and laughing together and eating together are so important. We're, we're just wired that way spiritually by God. So let's pick up the story. This, this is uh, you know, eight days after Easter. So verses 26 to, to 28, great verses here. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Uh, Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus has a way of meeting us at our points of weakness. He did that with Thomas, you know. And notice, he doesn't show up there to... To, to disrespect Thomas or t- talk him down because he was struggling in his faith. You know, Jesus met him at the point of his doubt to strengthen his faith. And Jesus will meet us in the, in the same way when we struggle with our faith. And so when Jesus appears, when Thomas touches Jesus, you know, he immediately says, my Lord and my God. And that's really the most important confession of faith we can make. You know, Jesus, by his death and resurrection, proves he is God's son. He is God in human flesh. And it also proves that Jesus is Lord. You know, he wants to be Lord over our lives and Lord over our church. And he's ultimately Lord of the universe. I love Thomas here because he honestly faces his doubts and he's open to Jesus and Jesus renews his faith. And God will do the same thing with us. If we're, if we're honest with our, our doubts and our spiritual struggles before God, if we're willing to ask those hard questions, we'll end up with a stronger faith. You know, God will strengthen our faith through prayer. God will strengthen our faith through, you know, reading the Bible. God will strengthen our faith through, you know, relationships with one another, through our Bible studies together, through our worship together, through our relationships. He'll strengthen our faith. Verse 29 is a promise to us. You know, Jesus said to Thomas here, um, and he's saying to all of us, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. 
Yeah, we we haven't seen Jesus, you know, with our eyes on our face or with we haven't touched him with our hands. We only get to see him with eyes of faith and touch him with hands of faith today. When Jesus returns, we, we'll see him face to face. And so Jesus says, you know, we're blessed in God's sight if we place our faith in him today. And so Jesus wants to strengthen our faith and, and help us when we struggle with faith. And, you know, all of us are going to be crushed with disappointment at times. All of us are going to be hurt at times. All of us will have spiritual struggles at times. And, you know, those are the times that really test our faith. And when our, and our faith is tested like that, you know, we can make one choice to, you know, kind of walk away from God, walk away from other Christians, walk away from the church, or, or we can do the opposite. <laughs> we can be like Thomas and just hang in there hang in there with our Christian friends, hang in there with God and let Jesus strengthen our faith. I love the little promise God gives us in Jeremiah 29 verse 13. And God says, you will seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. So if you want to know God with all your heart, if you want to know Jesus with all your heart, if you if you honestly seek him, You'll find God because God's already been seeking you out. You know, I found when before I, I came to faith in Christ, I, I had a I had a journey of I think about two years. I was going to churches with my friends, but I wasn't going to a church that preached the gospel. So I was looking for Jesus, but just couldn't really seem to find him. You know, I was reading the Bible, I was praying, but it never really had anyone tell me how I could place my faith in Jesus and follow Jesus. Then one day my you know, God led our family to Baptist Fellowship Church in Columbia, Connecticut. And man, that first day, all my questions were answered, and I was ready to place my faith in Jesus. You know, as I was seeking God, God was already pursuing me. He was already seeking me. He was already, you know, wooing me into a relationship with Jesus. So if we, if we really want God, God is there for us. God will, God will calm our doubts and strengthen our faith. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we get ready for a time of response, I just pray, God, that you would work in our hearts, uh, work in our lives. God, I want to pray for anyone who's here who's struggling spiritually today, who's who's got doubts, uh, got hurts, got anger, got whatever (laughs) issues that are, you know, bringing some separation between them and you, God. Just, I pray you'd heal that faith, strengthen that faith, calm those doubts, answer those questions today. You know, Lord, I want to pray for anyone that's just kind of separated themselves from the, you know, from the church family, whether they're here today or at a distance, God, that you just draw them back to your people today, God, where you can strengthen their faith. And we just pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, 
mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me holy oh, overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god oh it chases me down fights till i'm found leaves the 99 i couldn't earn it i don't deserve it still you give yourself away holy overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god oh what a savior isn't he Hallelujah, Christ is risen, bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all, sing Hallelujah, Christ is risen. a Savior, isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.